With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Mitzia Daf Chafala, page twenty-one. We begin at the Mishnah, starting this new chapter. We have different cases where if a person finds a lost object, it's permitted for him to keep it. And there are some times where a person has to announce it to try to return it to its original owner. So the following are going to be the cases that the person who finds these objects are allowed to keep them because there's no distinguishing factor. Let's say you find fruits that are spread out. It's clear that the owners are not coming back for them. Scattered money. Bundles that are found in the public domain. And Rashi explains that since they were found in the public domain, they're going to be trampled. They're going to lose whatever sign, whatever distinguishing factor they might have had. Or some cakes of pressed figs. Baker's bread. So these are mass-produced, they don't have any distinguishing fact that they weren't made by a certain person. Strings of fish, pieces of meat, and standardly cut strips of wool, strips of flax, tongues of purple-dyed wool, all of these do not have distinguishing factors, therefore it's permitted for the person who finds them to keep them. These are the words of Rabbi If you find something that has something unusual about it, there's going to be an obligation to announce it. Ketzad, for example, as follows. Let's say you find a cake of pressed figs, inside of it you find lodged within it a shard of earthenware. Kikar, Let's say you find a piece of bread, a loaf of bread, and inside of it you find some money. So in all of these cases, Rabbi Huda says there will be an obligation to announce it because there is a distinguishing factor. Rabbi Shimon says, If you find a brand new object that the owners did not have a chance yet to look at it, to get used to how it looks, and therefore be able to recognize it, so there's no obligation to announce that you found this object because the owners will give up hope on it. We begin the Gemara. We said in the mission that if somebody finds fruits that are spread over a certain area, or produce that's spread over a certain area, it's permitted to take it. You can assume that the owners are not coming back for it. Vikama. The Gemara says, how much are we talking about? How much produce, and how far is it spread? Amr Yitzchak says, Kav We're talking about a measure of a kav, which is approximately between a little more than a liter and a little more than two liters. It's somewhere in between those two. Ba'arba amois, and it's spread over four cubits. A cubit is approximately a foot and a half to two feet, so multiply that by four is between six and eight feet. Hechidami. The Gemara says, what's the case? Iderch nefila. If it's clear that it fell from the person, afilu tuvanami. So even if there's a greater amount than a kav, more than a, between a liter and two liters, it would still be permitted to take it. Why? Because clearly the person dropped it unintentionally, and he doesn't even where he dropped it, so when he finds out, he's going to give up hope on it. So it's permitted to take it. Now, so if it was just placed there, obviously it was done intentionally. So it shouldn't even be permitted to take even less than a kav, even less than this measure. It would also be forbidden to take because clearly the guy's going to come back for it. He intentionally put it here. So what's the case? We're speaking about a very specific case where you came across a group of produce that was spread over a certain area, but it was spread in the the threshing area. There's a special area that they used to go to to thresh their wheat. What that means is they would actually stamp upon the wheat to separate the wheat from the straw, and then they would take away the wheat. So in this area, that's where you found all of this wheat that was spread over a certain area. So now, if you have a liter, between a liter and two liters, and it's spread over four cubits, the it's a tremendous amount of effort to collect all of that wheat. The person is not going to expend the effort. He's not going to come back in order to take this wheat. He makes it ownerless, and therefore it's permitted to take it. Meaning it's not even talking about a case where something was lost, but rather it's talking about a case where somebody left his stuff there intentionally, and he made it ownerless. But if you find it spread over less area, a person would expend the effort to 
in order to collect it, since it's a kav, it's a significant amount, but it's spread over less area, so it's not such a big deal to collect it. He's going to come back and take it. And therefore, he hasn't made it ownerless, and therefore it's not permitted for you to take it. So basically what we see is that if something is too much of an effort for a person to collect whatever object he's left behind, so he's not going to return for it, and therefore it's permitted to take it, as opposed to if it's not too much effort, then he will return, and it will be not permitted to take it. So now, by Rabbi Yomiyah, Rabbi Yomiyah asks the following question. Let's say you have a smaller amount. You have half the volume. You have a half a liter, and it's spread over two amas, two cubits. What's going to be the halacha? Would it be permitted to take it or not? Do we say like this, when it comes to a single kav, and it's spread over four cubits, time am I? What's the reason why it's permitted to take it? Because it's too much effort for a person to come back for it, therefore it's permitted to take it. So when it comes to a half of a kav, and it's spread over two, two cubits, that's not so much effort to come back for. Do we say that the person will not give up hope on it, he's going to come back for it, and therefore you can't take it? perhaps It doesn't just have to do with the amount of effort that's involved, but perhaps it has to do also with the fact that it's not so important. When you have a kav, this measure that's spread over four cubits, it's not something that's so significant, therefore he's not going to come back to expend the effort to collect it. So now when it comes to half of a kav, and it's spread over half of the space, half of the area, since it's certainly less important, a half of a kav, it's not so much produce, so then certainly he's going to make it ownerless, and therefore will be permitted to take it. Now, before we answer that question, so we have another question. Kavaim beshmoina amos mahu. Let's say you have double the amount of produce and it's spread over double the amount of space. You have two calves spread over eight cubits. What's going to be the halacha? Do we say like this? Kav be'arba amos tamemai. What's the reason why it's permitted to take when you have one calf spread over four cubits? Because it's too much effort for the person to come back for. The koshakin kavaim beshmoina amos. It's certainly too much effort for the person to come back for double the amount of stuff which is spread over double the amount of space. Kavin the nefisha tarchayu. It's a Tremendous amount of effort to collect, tvei even more. Mafkerlu, so therefore, for sure he's going to make it ownerless. Oidomer, perhaps we say, Mishundalechashivi. Perhaps the reason that a person doesn't return for it when it comes to a single kav spread over four cubits is because it's not so important. The kavayim, Bishmana Amis, but when it comes to the double the amount, double the measure, where it's spread over eight cubits, given the Hashivi, since that amount is indeed significant, Lemafkerlu, maybe he's not going to make it ownerless. What do we say there? Now we have another question. Kav mahu. Let's say instead of finding a kav, this measure of wheat, one finds the same measure of sesame seeds. What do we say there? Kav What's the reason why we said in regards to a kav of wheat, which is spread over four cubits, that you're allowed to take it? Mishum de It's not so important, therefore the person who owned it originally is not going to come back for it, so you can take it. The shum shimin, however, when it comes to sesame seeds, came in the chashivi, since that's something which is more significant, more important, more chashiv in people's eyes, So the person is not going to make it on this, and it will come back, and therefore you can't take it. Oidem, or perhaps, Mishum de nafesh tarchayu, that the, the issue when it comes to the wheat, why is the person not collecting it, is because it's too much effort. The Kolshikin Shumshimin and certainly sesame seeds came in the Nafesh Tarchayu it's even more of an effort it's smaller than wheat so, so certainly the person is not going to come back for it. Mafgirlu is going to make it ownerless and therefore you can take it. Kav Tamri, we're asking another question. Let's say you have a kav of dates, ba'aramis, and it's spread over the same distance, four cubits. Kavri money, or let's say you have a kav of pomegranates, ba'ar ba'amis, and it's spread over four cubits, mahu. What's going to be the halacha there? Kav ba'aramis tamamai, what's the reason in regards to a kav of wheat that's spread over four cubits? Mishandulechashiv, you can take it because it's something that's not so important, and therefore they're not going to return for it. Kav Tamri ba'ar ba'amis, kavri money ba'ar ba'amis, nami. So then we would say the same thing in regards to a kav of dates, a kav 
of pomegranates. It's also something came to lechashiv. It's not so important. Mafkilu, the person is going to make it ownerless, and if we can take it, or do we say In regards to the wheat, it's just too much effort for a person to expend. The kav tamri, and when it comes to a kav of dates, which is spread over four cubits, or a kav of pomegranates, which is spread over four cubits, came the loin of shtarchayu. Since it doesn't involve as much effort, maybe a person would not make it ownerless, and he would come back for it. In all of these cases, we do not have the answer to all of these questions. The Gemara continues. Itmar. We learned in an Amoritic statement, we turned to the Chaf Aleph on base, page 21b. We're going to get into the concept of Yeush Shalomidas. Yeush, the concept of Yeush means that a person gives up hope on their object. And the idea is that as long as somebody has not given up hope on their object, it's not permitted to take it. You have to announce it and you have to try to return it to the owner. But as soon as we know that the person has given up hope, in fact, so then it's permitted for one to take it and it's not a problem, one can keep it. Now, the question is, let's say there's an object that we know that if he would realize that he lost this object, so he would for sure give up hope on it. But right now, we know that he has not given up hope on it because he doesn't even realize that he's lost this object. That's called Yeish Shalomidas, giving up hope without knowing about it. So here the Gemara says, on the top line, Yeish Shalomidas, in regards to such a case, Abaye Amar Lehav Yeish. Abaye says, it's not considered that the person has given up hope, and therefore you cannot take the lost object until you know that the person is conscious of the fact that he's lost it, and he's actually consciously given up hope. Verova Amar Havi Yeish. Shavu says, no. The fact is that since when a person finds out about it, he's going to give up hope, even though right now he hasn't actually consciously given up hope, we consider it as if he's given up hope and is permitted to take the object. Now, the Gemara wants to know what exactly is the case. But Simon, so if it's something that has a sign on it, everyone agrees that there is no giving up hope. Because since a person knows that he's going to be able to claim his object still, because he has a distinguishing feature, therefore, he's not going to give up hope. And even if you find out that in the end he did give up hope, even though he has a sign on it, it's not considered that he's given up hope originally. Because when the person found it, he found it in such a way that it would be forbidden for him to take it at the time. Because normally, Normally speaking, when a person finds out the novel meaning that he it fell from him, so normally he would not give up hope on it, because he would say, I have a sign in it. So I'm going to give my sign and I'm going to take back my object. So therefore, when he first picked it up, it wasn't permitted for him to take it, because the person would not have given up hope ordinarily. Now, even if you find out in the end that he does give up hope, it's irrelevant because it doesn't change the original status of the object when it was picked up. Now let's say if a person finds an object because it came in with the tide. The water left it on the beach and you found this object. Or the river was overflowing and it was dragging along objects from different people along with it. And you found such an object. Even if it has a sign on it. So the Torah says it's permitted to take such an object. Like the Mar is going to explain later on. So now, so what's our case that we're talking about where it's not clear? There's an argument between Abayah and Rava whether or not it's permitted to keep it. Keep we're talking about something that does not have a sign on it. And it was found in a normal way. It wasn't dragged along by the river and that's how you found it. No, you found it in the middle of the Rishus of Rabbim in a public place. So in such a case, Abai Amar Abai says, It's not considered that the person has given up. Because he doesn't even know that it fell from him. It can't be considered disconnected from him despite the fact that it doesn't have a sign on it. So theoretically, the object itself doesn't have a connector to the person. But since the person is not aware of the fact that it's fallen from him, he hasn't given up hope from it. So therefore, in his mind, the object is still connected to him. And that's what's significant according to Abai. Rava, Amar Rava says, Hav Yeyush. It is considered that he's given up on it and it is considered that it's disconnected from him. Why? Because when he finds out that it fell from him, Miyayish, he's going to give up hope on it. Meymar Amar Simon unless the Begavei because he's going to say to himself, well, I don't have any sign on it. So therefore it's considered that even from now, even though he's not aware
aware of it. It's considered that he's already given up hope from it. It's already considered disconnected from him, and therefore would be permitted, according to Rava, to keep it. So now the Gemara says, let's try to bring some cases where we're going to see if Abai is correct or Rav is correct. Tashima. I'll bring you a proof from the Mishnah. It says, If you find fruits that are scattered, it's permitted to keep them. The Gemara says, at first glance, what's the Mishnah talking about? Where the guy is not even aware of the fact that he lost these fruits. And we see it as permitted to keep them. So that's a case of Yehosh Shalomidas, a disassociation that's occurred. And he's not aware that it's been lost to him. And nevertheless, we see it's permitted to keep it. So that sounds like Rav who says, Yehosh Shalomidas Havyehosh. That even though he's not aware of the fact that he's lost it, it's considered dissociated from him already. So Gemara says, Ha'amar of Ukva Barchama. So the Gemara says, you can't prove anything from there because Rav Ukva Barchama said, what's the case? We're talking about a case where it was left on the threshing floor, the Aveda Midasi. It was intentionally placed there. The person made it ownerless. That's why we said it's permitted to take it. So it's not even a case where the person is unaware of it. Rather, it's a case where he is aware of it. That's why it's permitted to take it, so there's no proof. Tashimadimah brings another proof. We said a case where if somebody found scattered money, then it's permitted to take it. It's his. Why is it his? The person doesn't know that he's lost it. So there would be a proof, like Rav said, that Yehush Shalomidas Havi Yehush. If a person unknowingly gives up hope on his object, it's considered that he's given up hope. So perhaps that's why he's allowed to keep it. There too we can say it's like Rabbi Yitzchak, that the reason that you're allowed to keep it is not because he's not aware that he's given up hope and it's considered anyway he's given up hope, but rather he is aware to Amar because he says, A person ordinarily is always checking his pockets to make sure his money is there. So here too we can apply that concept and since a person is constantly checking his pockets, so as soon as he loses the money, he's aware of it, and he gives up hope already. And therefore, that's why a person will be permitted for him to keep the money. Tashima. The Gemara tries to bring another proof in the Mishnah. If somebody found cakes of pressed figs, or baker's bread loaves, it's permitted to keep them. So that's an across-the-board statement. As soon as you find it, you can assume that the person has given up hope. Why is it permitted to keep it? Perhaps he doesn't know that it's fallen from him. So this would again seem to be like Rava, who says that even though he doesn't know about it, it's still considered that he's given up hope, and therefore he can keep it. So the answer is, There too, the person is indeed aware of it because since it's something that's heavy or it has significant weight therefore he's going to notice as soon as it's fallen and therefore when he can't find it he's going to give up hope and therefore you can take it Toshima. Gemara tries to bring another proof. We said in the Mishnah that if you find strips of purple wool, it's permitted to keep it. Again, why? There too, he shouldn't know that it's fallen from him. It would seem that it's not so heavy. So the Gemara answers, In that case also, he is aware of the fact that it's fallen. Why? Because since it's something which is very important, something which has tremendous value, this purple dyed wool is expensive. And he's always going to be checking his pockets like like said in regards to money, a person is always checking his pockets to make sure his money is there. So too, in regards to this precious wool, a person also is going to be checking to make sure it's there. So as soon as he realizes it's not there, he's going to give up hope. And therefore, if you find it, you can assume that he's already realized that it's not there, and that's why it's permitted to keep it. The Gemara tries to bring another proof. Tashima. Let's say somebody finds some money and you found it in a synagogue, or in a study hall, or any place where there's a lot of people there, is permitted for the person who's found it to keep it, because the owners will give up hope on receiving their money back. 
The person doesn't know that he's lost it. So this will be a proof again to Rava that if somebody is not aware of the fact that he's lost something, it's nevertheless permitted to keep it because we consider it as if he already knows. So Rabbi Yitzchak says, no. Over there, he does know. As we said before, we're recording this Rabbi Yitzchak where he says that a person is always checking his pockets at all times to see if his money's there. And therefore, he knows immediately. And therefore, that's why you're allowed to keep it. Toshima. We try to bring a different proof. When is it permitted for anyone? So ordinarily, it's not permitted for anyone to just come along and take leket. Leket is the leftover stuff that's left in the fields for poor people. So at a certain point, all of the poor people have gone through there, and therefore, it's permitted for anyone. Even a rich person could come and take whatever is left over. So from which point is it considered that it's permitted? From the point where the nemushas are walking through there. What are these nemushas? So we say, what are they? says, these are elderly people who are walking with walking sticks. Rishlakish says, these are the last guys who are coming to collect after everyone else has already come to collect. So once these last groups, the elderly people or the last people have already come to collect, so at that point it's permitted for anyone to come along and to take whatever is left over. So the Gemara says, Why is it so? How come anyone can come and take it? Granted, all the poor people who are in this town, they've already given hope from taking any of the stock. But there might be poor people who are in a different town that they're not aware of the fact that the last people have gone through there and therefore they haven't given up hope. So from the fact that we see that it's permitted to take it, clearly the fact that they would have given up hope is enough even though they haven't actively given up hope. So again, it's a proof to Rava. So the Gemara answers, Amri, we said like this, Since there are poor people here in this town, Hanach, so the poor people of the other town, They gave up hope from the onset. Because they say to themselves, the poor people who live in that town are going to collect it. So they never even thought that they were going to get anything from it. So therefore it's not considered that they don't know and they haven't given up hope and they would have given up hope. They gave up hope from the onset and that's why it's permitted for anyone to take it now. Toshima. The Gemara tries to bring a different proof. Kitsiyas baderech. Let's say you're walking along the path and you find some cut down figs. So ordinarily what they would do is they would cut down the figs and they would place them in the field in order to dry. Now even if you found them next to a field where they indeed place these figs out to dry, or let's say there's a fig tree that's leaning over the path, and you found figs underneath that tree, there's no problem of stealing there. And it's considered ownerless, and therefore you don't even have to take off the tithes. So what do we see over here? It seems to be saying that despite the fact that the owners are not aware that their kitsia, their cut-off figs, have gotten onto the path, or have fallen off of their tree, nevertheless it's permitted to take them, since when they find out they're going to give up hope on it, it's considered that they've already given up hope. So that sounds like Rava, and not like Abaye. Now the second part of the Brisa, though, is going to say something different. But say some of Charuvim Alser. However, when it comes to olives and carob, so then it's not permitted to take those things. And this seems to be saying like Abaye, that even though when they find out they're going to give up hope on it, since now they have not given up hope on it yet, so it's not considered that they've given up hope, but it's not permitted to take it. So the Gemara says, Bishlam Arashal Abaye, we can explain the first part of the Brisa according to Abaye, how will it work out? Like Kasha. It's not a problem to Abaye. Abaye who said that it's not considered ownerless if the person's not aware of it. So we could say, Akav de Chashivi since these figs are something that's important, they're something that's valuable, so the, the owner of the fields will notice as soon as those figs are gone. Te'inanami made the idea of the Natra. And when it comes to his fig tree, he's also aware of the fact that his figs are falling. He sees them falling, he gives up hope from the onset. And that's why it's permitted for someone to take it. It's not considered yeh shalomidas. It's not considered that he's not aware of it. But the second part of the Bresa is problematic according to Rava. Because we said in regards to olives and carob that it's forbidden to take it. So that sounds like, despite the fact that 
he will give up hope, the, the fact that he has not yet given up hope does not permit you to take it. Not like Rava. Amar Biyavo, so Biyavo says like this, Shani Zayis is different in regards to an olive. The reason that the owner is not going to give up hope, he's not going to give up hope later either. And therefore he hasn't given up hope now. Why? Because since each olive orchard has its own special look, olives are something that have their own unique look. So the owner of these olives assumes that when somebody finds it along the path, they're not going to think it belongs to someone else. They're going to know that it belongs to this olive tree and this olive owner. It wasn't just left there by passersby. And therefore the owner of the olive tree is not going to give up hope on his olives even later. And therefore it's not permitted to take them. Now let's see this inside because the Gemara says this explicitly. The Afagav did not turn Zesi, even though these olives are falling down, made the idea, people know, that this is something that came from this person's place. So Gemara says, if that's true, even the first case, it shouldn't be permitted to take it because the figs also have their own look and therefore he wouldn't give up hope on his figs because he's going to assume that people are going to leave them there because they're going to know that they belong to him. Amrat Papa, so Rapapa explains as follows, that in regards to a fig, since when it falls, it's completely ripe, it's very soft, and when it falls, it gets disgusting and dirty and gross, therefore the owner will indeed give up hope on his figs. Even from the onset, he's going to be aware of the fact that his figs are falling, and therefore that's why he's permitted to take them. However, when it comes to carob or olives, since when they fall, they're hard, and they don't get as destroyed or as disgusting, therefore the owner is not going to give up hope on those things, he's going to assume that people are going to leave them there, they're not going to take it because they're going to realize that it belongs to him.